We didn't have an inside toilet, we didn't have an inside bathroom, we didn't even have toilet paper. Don't even ask. Except even though I can't look around the local newspaper without a million memories coming, uh, flooding, flooding back. I wanted my kids to have toilet paper, for goodness sake. But you know what? Somebody once said we are so busy giving our children what we didn't have. We forget to give them what we did have. You know, as loving parents, we want the best for our children, but sometimes we overlook the basic fundamentals of parenting. This is Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and we heard from Rob Parsons there sharing one life lesson he's learned, and he has more in store for us today. Uh, John, Rob and I have known each other for over 25 years, and he is one of my best buddies. Um, Many, many years ago, uh, Dr. Dobson challenged a group of men there in the UK and said, what are you doing for families? And Care for the Family was born out of that. And we uh, supported them and helped them in every way we could. And they are doing uh, such great work, not only in the UK, but throughout the world. And uh, Rob has truly become a good friend. He is a tremendous storyteller. He's a lawyer by training, but uh, has published a number of books that have been bestsellers throughout the UK. And he has simply harnessed uh, the ability to observe what those around him are doing. And he is funny, and I think you're going to learn so many great principles uh, that the Lord has shown him through his stories. Yeah, I love Rob's storytelling, as you said, and his heart just comes through so clearly. Uh, he visited Focus on the Family last year and participated in a couple's retreat we had and uh, spoke to that group, and we recorded it. And here now is that message from Rob Parsons on today's Focus on the Family. About 12 years ago, I went to South Africa, and we went right down to the Cape, and I, I, I put my feet in two oceans, where the two oceans meet. The whole of sub-Saharan Africa above me. Almost all of it speaking uh, English. And I just thought all the resources we have, what we can bring and what a difference we can make. And I said to them, I'll come, come every year for 10 years, and we've done that now, and we're going to keep going. I'll be there again in April. Remarkable things the orphan care uh, program, what they're doing for marriage and parenting. And a couple of years ago, I had a remarkable experience. We, we often go to South Africa and then one other African country. And I got invited to Swaziland. I had just written a book called The Heart of Success, Making It in Business Without Losing in Life. And the, pres- the president of Swaziland invited me to speak to him and the whole of his cabinet for an hour. It was an amazing experience. So we're there and the guys from Focus are there. And we're sharing these principles. I think the, uh, the HIV positive rate in Swaziland is something like 30-35%. Very poor country. And we have this chance to talk to its leaders about how they can uh, change uh, the future. Great privilege to be with you. Tonight I wanted to share with you just some lessons of life generally I, I wish I'd learned earlier. Uh, I remember some years ago being in Mozambique and I'm in a little hut. And a woman is dying of AIDS. Her husband's already dead. And I say to her, how do you manage for money? She said, we, we don't have any, any money. I said, but how do you manage? She said, well, for food, she said, you see that big copper pot? And I look outside, and there's a big copper pot in the garden. She said, when we have no food, I fill it with water. And I light a fire underneath it. And I pray to God that by the time 
The water boils, somebody will put a little chicken, a little meat in it. And, and normally by the time the water boils, somebody, a neighbor, has put a little chicken or meat in it. It is the greatest example of faith I've ever seen in my life. And as I leave, her daughter is 12 years old. She pulls my arm and she says, Mr. Parsons, will you give me some money? I've been asked that all over the world by kids. And this little girl, Dodie, she says to me, will you give me money? I say, why do you want money? She says, I want shoes of the same color to go to school. And I look down and she's got a red shoe on and a green shoe on. It's not much of a dream, is it, when you're on the cusp of your teenage years to want shoes of the same color to go to school. I said, tell me about your life, Dodie. She said, it's hard. She said, some days I have to, once a month, she said, I have to carry my mother on my back to the medical center. It's in the wood. It's two miles. And sometimes I get to the medical center and it's closed. I was speaking not long ago to one of the biggest law firms in the world. And I heard one of the young lawyers say, in the coffee break, I've had a bad day. I'm sure you had had a bad day. But you know what a really bad day is? A really, really bad day is carrying your mother two miles on your back to the medical center, and the medical center's closed. And I know that life is hard for all of us, but once in a while, we need to wake up and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the many, many things we, we take for granted. Give me that spirit of, of gratitude. Anyway, I, I leave Mozambique, and I, and I fly into the States. Now, I'm not saying this to impress you. I'm not exactly sure how it happened, to be honest, but I'm driving down the freeway and suddenly the cell phone goes. I get invited to the White House. And it's just about the time after the great tragedy of the Twin Towers. And, and I'm listening to the doctors and nurses speak, and it is fascinating. I have two kids. Katie's a lawyer. Lloyd's a firefighter. And so I was particularly interested to listen to what the firefighters said. I'd earlier heard one man speak. He said, I'm 50 years old. I'm the captain of my team. And he described what happened that day. I've never been able to get this man's story out of my mind. If you have suffered, if you've lost people who you loved in that, or forgive me if they bring back memories to you, but, but I've never forgotten this story. He said, I'm running up the stairs, he said, and I'm pretty fit, but we've got so much stuff on our back. I realize we're never going to get up the stairs fast enough. And I say to my team, we're going to have to use the elevator. But it's very dangerous to use the elevator. And he said, we get in and it begins to move up the building, but we don't know if we're going to get out of this thing. And we get to a mezzanine level and the doors open, so at least we're out. And he said, I remember thinking how orderly people are coming down the stairs. And then I go into a room and it's filled with black smoke. And I'm helping people find the exit. This way, sir. This way, madam. And then I come across a man and he's trying to finish a financial deal. And I scream at him that he must leave the room. And he waves me back and goes back typing furiously. And I scream at him again. And this time he doesn't even bother to turn around. And I say to my team, ask him one more time. And if he won't go, throw him down the stairs. Was that man successful? Yes, he was. He earned an incredible salary. His kids were in the best school. He had a second home in the country. drove an incredible motor car. But the only thing that made him seem successful on that fateful day was the incredible lack of perspective, about a hundred feet of perspective. And if only he could have pulled back that hundred feet, he would have seen the building on fire, a, a bubble of him and a blowing, people already jumping rather than face the flame. The plane about to hit the second tower, he probably never did make it out of that building. And I've never been able to get that image out of my mind because I know that perspective is hard to get. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why things like this are special. 
They're special because we take a moment just to step back for a while to get that little perspective. What lessons did I learn from Dodie that day? What lessons did I learn from the woman with the pot? And what lessons did I learn from the man that day? Lessons I wish I'd learned earlier, many of them. A friend of mine's professor of psychology in Oxford University. I was having dinner with him the other night. Uh, and he said, you know what, Rob? Most people believe a future event will make them happy. If I could win the lottery, if we could move house, if I could pass an exam, if we could do this, sometimes something pretty small. When we go out on Saturday night with my friends, then I'll be happy. He said, you know what, Rob? Most people, really, really happy people, grasp it now. Because now is all we have. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I in this room for this brief moment, a little perspective, a chance to grasp now. We're all different. And, and by the way, nobody has told me about you. Nobody said, Jack and Susan are coming. They're going through a tough time. Say something to them. If you're Jack and Susan, you're probably dying now, but forgive me. <laughs> uh, no, but I know very little about any of you, but, but I know enough. I've been doing it long enough to know that within this room, is the whole gamut of human experience. There'll be great marriages and marriages in trouble. There'll be kids that are a joy to you and kids that will be breaking your heart. There'll be sickness and joy and all kinds of stuff just within this room. And you and I get the chance to a little perspective. So allow me to share with you, if I may, some lessons I wish I'd learned earlier. And number one would be the preciousness of time. Time's a strange thing, isn't it? You can't buy it, you can't mortgage it, you can't rent it, you can't save it. Somebody said to me the other day, I've saved an hour. Oh, really? Where did you put it? <laughs> you can save money, you can put money under the bed, but you can't save time, you can only spend time. And all the surveys show that even more than money, people would like more time. But everybody has all the time there is. Tonight in a fancy penthouse in London or New York. A man or woman will die. They are surrounded by hospital consultants. They are billionaires. There will be accountants and lawyers hovering uh, in the corridor outside. And at exactly the same time, a beggar will die in the streets of Calcutta alone. Those two, the wealthy man, the beggar, they only had one thing in common the whole of their lives. At one second past midnight, a big bag of minutes was delivered to the foot of each man's bed. And 24 hours later, at one second to midnight, each man's bag, bag was empty. No amount of money, power, prestige could buy them one more minute. The preciousness of, of time. I, I've made some bad mistakes in that area. Um, you know, my mum was a, an office cleaner. She could read and write, but not much more than that. Dad was a postman. We didn't, I wasn't academic in school. I didn't understand uh, uh, school at all. I don't think I was lazy. I, I just didn't understand it. And, but eventually I became a lawyer of quite a, a large law practice. We formed one of the biggest legal consultants in the world. And, and I just couldn't believe that this had happened to me. And I worked very, very hard. I was involved in church leadership. I was speaking. I was preaching. I was doing all this stuff. But I made some bad mistakes in the area of time, particularly when the kids were small. Thank God I learned those lessons while they were little. And, and I don't want to make anybody guilty here tonight. And uh, we'd all like to have another crack at it, and it's never too late. But, 
But let me share with you, just in case you have little ones, uh, uh, where I, I got it wrong, if I may. I would come home late at night, and Diane, my wife, had long since given up trying to talk to me, but two small children hadn't. Little girl would be saying, Daddy, Susan pulled my hair today. Little boy would say, I I'm in the football team on Saturday, but I'd be on another planet. I'd made 50 calls that day, another 50 to make that night. I would sit there comatose at that evening at meal table until the telephone rang. And the little boy would say, Daddy, it's for you. And suddenly I'd come alive. And I'd be dispensing my wisdom, my strategy, my counsel. And a little boy and a little girl would be watching me. And they weren't stamping or screaming, better for me if they had me. But the message they were getting loud and clear was this matters to him. This brings him alive. Three things kept me in that lifestyle longer than they should have. And you can interpret this for any stage of life, not just about kids, but three things kept me. Number one, I wanted them to have more than I had. We didn't have an inside toilet. We didn't have an inside bathroom. We didn't even have toilet paper. Don't even ask. Except even now, I can't look at our local newspaper without a million memories coming, uh, flooding, flooding back. I wanted my kids to have toilet paper, for goodness sake. But you know what? Somebody once said, we are so busy giving our children what we didn't have. We forget to give them what we did have. Secondly, I used to believe a slower day was coming. Ladies and gentlemen, even if I'm the worst speaker you've ever heard in your life, take this away with you. A slower day is not coming. You want to serve God more in this, you want to do more in business, you want to learn Spanish, you want to do anything, begin it today. Don't wait till you have more time. When you've done this, when the business, when I, when the, slower day's not coming. And thirdly, I forgot how fast the door of childhood closes. I'm going to tell you about my daughter Katie later on. I, uh, when Katie was about four, I'd be reading her a bedtime story, and the phone would ring downstairs. We only had a phone downstairs then. And she'd say, Daddy, please don't go. I'd take those stairs five at a time. I'd make that call, then another call. Then I'd remember I'd not finished the story. The princess was still stranded in a castle somewhere. And I'd run back upstairs, and the light would still be on. And the book would be by her head where I had left it. But little eyes had fought to stay awake as long as they possibly could. Ladies and gentlemen, you're a hard audience to impress. You've achieved much more than I have in life, but I don't say what I'm about to say to even try to impress you, but I've had an interest in life. I think I've written 20 books. I've been involved in murder trials. I've lectured the governments and blue-chip companies across the world. All those things have involved me having thousands of business calls. Almost everyone has been described as urgent. This one, you have to ring them back immediately. Ring them back by 2 o'clock. They're all urgent. Do you know something? I can't remember one. Not one that couldn't have waited 10 minutes while I finished a bedtime story. But at the time, it seemed so important, and I can't quite remember why. Do you hear of the Mexican fisherman who brought his big catch in and in this little, small Mexican coastal fishing village? And there was a businessman on the, on the quayside, and he complimented the fisherman on the size of his catch, two big yellow fin tuna. He said, how long have you been fishing? He said, I only fish for half a day, senor. Businessman said, what do you do the rest of your time? He said, senor, in the afternoon I have siesta with my wife Maria. He said, then I play with my kids in the evening. I drink wine, play guitar with my amigos. The businessman said, you're in luck. I've got a business degree. I can help you expand your business. Wow, senor. 
What should I do? Well, first, you must work all day. All day, Senor. What will I do with the money? I want you to buy another boat. And, and, and with that boat, I want you to catch more fish, and, and, and soon you're going to have a fleet of boats. A fleet of boats, Senor. How long will this take? About 10 years. What then, Senor? Well, then I want you to take the profit from the fleet of boats, and I want you to buy a cannery. You're going to catch the stuff and can it. Senor, <clears throat> how long will this take? About 20 years. 20 years, Senor. And what then? Well, then I want you to buy a distribution business. You can have lorries and cars and airplanes. You're going to catch it and can it and distribute it. Senor, how long will this take? About 25 years. What then? Well, then you're going to have to leave this small coastal Mexican fishing village and move to Mexico City. And finally, New York City, where you will run your expanding empire. Senor, how long will this take? 30 years. What then? Well, that's the best bit. Then you're going to float the company. You're going to sell the shares. You are going to make millions, millions, senor. What then? Well, then you can retire. You can move to a small Mexican coastal fishing village. <laughs> Look your kids up. If any of your friends are still alive, you can drink wine and play guitar with them in the evenings. You spend a bit of time with your wife. Senor? Are these business degrees difficult to get? <laughs> it's not easy. I, I think I've worked as hard as anybody. I think I've worked harder than I ever have. You have to put bread on the table. But once in a while, you have to say to yourself, the reason the Bible says number your days is because nothing comes close to time as being valuable. And I can tell you as someone who's knocking on a bit now, the older you get, the faster it goes. It is like an express train. As far as possible, grab it now. Boy, I want to emphasize what Rob was talking about there. Um, do you hear what he's saying there? It's so easy to get caught up in the rat race of life. Uh, trying to earn more so we can spend more time with our family someday. Uh, someday only comes when you make time for it. And he'll elaborate on that in just a minute. Um, try making some time for your family every day. And uh, we've got time now for one more story from Rob Parsons that really drives this point home, the importance and value of making time for your family today. Do you know, it wasn't just with my kids. I, I remember about 35 years ago, uh, I was about to speak to about 300 doctors and social workers on the issue of the family. And my wife, Diane, said to me, can I come and say something? I said, darling, you've never spoken in public. However would you do it? She said, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> I rang the organizers up. I said, can my wife speak? They said, of course, but they didn't know she'd never, ever spoken in public. And I didn't tell them. Dr. Nigel Cameron, the theologian, spoke for three quarters an hour on the theology of the family. I spoke for 30 minutes on some other, and then I said, and now would you welcome my wife, Diane? But I had no idea what she was going to say. Pretty brave of me, I thought. I last heard Diane say what she said that day in front of 2,000 women in the Belfast Concert Hall. She said those words in the Royal Albert Hall. She had spoken to tens of thousands of women. This is what she said that day. In so many ways, life was perfect. 
I had a little girl of three and a brand new baby son. I had a nice home, and lying next to me was my husband who loved me. The only problem was, I just whispered to Rob, darling, I don't think I can cope anymore. Would you take Katie to nursery today? Ladies and gentlemen, I remember Diane saying those words. I thought, well, yesterday, I can imagine her next to me now. And I said, sure, I'll take Katie. But if I thought that was going to be sorted out that day, that week, that month, that year, I was wrong. Those words ushered in years of darkness for Diane and I. Diane's immune system crashed. She went through a depressive illness. Dark, dark times. You know, sometimes those of us who live a fewest lifestyle, we do pretty well, but those closest to us pick up the cost. And I can remember cancelling engagement after engagement after engagement. People said, oh, isn't Rob great? You know, he's speaking here and he's doing there. Yeah, Rob is so great. Rob is so great that they somehow lost time for those he loves most. The things that I loved most were slipping through my fingers. And I remember cancelling engagement after engagement. And Diane and I spent long winter evenings just learning to communicate again and talk. I remember some of those conversations. I remember saying to me one night, I said, what do you want to talk about? She said, well, there's something I want to say to you. I said, well, what is it? She said, I think I hate your mother. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you hate my mother? She said, well, I think I hate your mother. Do you know what? When I got, I was so close to my mom. I was so close to my mom. Bless her heart. When we got married, I tried to keep two women going. I used to call in on my mother every day. I would ring her without telling Diane. I tried to keep two women going. And when I did what the Bible said, and I left my mom, and I cleaved to my wife, and I put both women in their right position, boy, they got along a lot better. It wasn't their fault. It was my fault. We had long winter evenings talking. And we learned deep lessons. You know one lesson we learned there, which I wish I'd learned earlier? The power of vulnerability. Do you think I like sharing these things with you? But I know it's your story. And if it's not your story, it's the story of those you minister to. Listen, most people can't find their own answers. What they need are people to come alongside and say, this is not just you. And I can tell you this, when it comes to their own kids, there are no experts. Just people trying to get their own kids through as best they can. Not the people who write the books, appear on television, none of them. Just people trying to get their own kids through their best they can. And we've been mad over 40 years. You can't be mad that long without going through tough times. Times when it seemed that love had died. Perhaps those times are ahead for us. Writing books on the stuff doesn't preclude you from that. Time. Time with my kids. Time with my wife. That is a great reminder from Rob Parsons to, uh, to realize that time is the gift that you have with your family and that you've got to make the time happen and uh, keep your relationships in perspective. Um, just a few of the lessons that Rob Parsons shared with a group of couples gathered here in uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, I should mention Rob is with Care for the Family in Cardiff, Wales, and what a privilege to have him on Focus on the Family today. It was, John. And, uh, you know, Rob mentioned uh, that he struggled in certain areas. Early on, he talked about, you know, his 
dual role with his wife and his mom and not knowing who to please. And, uh, and then even um, his wife suffering through a season of depression. These are the kinds of issues that can uh, rip families apart if you don't seek God's help. And that's why Focus is here. Our program was provided by Focus on the Family. And on behalf of Jim Daly, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller. Rob Parsons is one of the most captivating speakers to listen to. I loved that last story where he realized that he was so busy achieving status and recognition that he was missing out on spending time and making memories with his own family. Our resource recommendation is a book by Dr. Tony Evans called Raising Kingdom Kids. You'll find that online at safamily.co.za or call us on 031-716-3300. We are only a few weeks away from our very exciting tour of events with Rob Parsons, and he'll be joined by Care for the Family UK director, Catherine Hill, to present a parenting event titled What Every Parent Has to Know, Bringing Up Kids in a Changing World. It's all about helping moms and dads to do the best job they can at bringing up their children. Catherine and Rob will unpack topics that every parent faces at some point, like setting boundaries, showing unconditional love, navigating the digital world, preparing them for the outside world, and much, much more. You'll also love our two morning seminars, The Heart of Communication, a masterclass in public speaking where Rob Parsons brings together 50 years of public speaking experience and another parenting seminar called A Mind of Their Own. The rates of young people struggling with anxiety and depression are rising to levels that no previous generation has encountered. Catherine Hill will share practical tools for anyone wanting to strengthen their child's emotional resilience. We'll be in Cape Town. Durban and Pretoria from the 23rd of February to the 3rd of March. All the details are at safamily.co.za. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll, as always, help you and your family thrive in Christ. <music>